Thank you to everyone that has tuned in thus far. The hustle and grind continues as we're now into season two of 52 Weeks of Hustle. I've had such a great time sitting down with industry leaders. Thank you to the leaders and for all the listeners and your continued support. In addition, thank you for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales, a playbook to being elite in the sports business industry. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio versions. Be sure to check out 52weeksofhustle.com. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. Finding opportunities in this industry to blaze trails and set the tone is always important. Our next guest has certainly done that in many ways, from being a top seller, leading teams in inaugural campaigns, and many awards and accolades. I'm excited to have Danita Johnson, President of Business Operations for DC United. Danita, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Danita, I'm so excited for our conversation today, and I certainly look forward to hearing all the advice you have for the listeners. So let's start where we kicked it off. You have certainly blazed a ton of trails in your career, which we'll dive into. And most recently, you were named President of Business Operations for DC United of the MLS, becoming the first Black president in MLS history and only the third female president. How exciting has it been for you to continue to pave the way in our industry? No, it's an honor. Um, I feel privileged to do so. And I hope the work that I'm able to do within this role continues to open doors for others um, as I continue to move forward. So I'm very excited for what I'm doing here. And I feel so grateful for this opportunity and one I don't take lightly by any means. And I really hope to make a major impact. You know, and, and along those impact lines, I know it's always been important for you to give back to those next best superstars and pave the way, which is why you've had such a distinguished career in leadership. Why is it so important for you to continue to assist and help women follow in your footsteps of your career path? I think, you know, we often just need um, a little bit of light and a little bit of a safe space where we feel like we can have dialogue and conversation and understanding. And so, I think for women in this industry, if I have an opportunity to kind of create that safe space to open those doors of possibilities, people have done that for me. That's why I'm here. And so I feel like it's so important to make sure that I continue to give that back in all the work that I do um, because you can't do it alone. Right. And one day I'm going to be in a position where I can like I'm in a position now. I still need help. I still need people to open doors of possibility for me. And we should be doing that for one another from both sides. No, absolutely. And you've always, you've been very involved with nonprofit organizations as well as being a wise within mentor for many years. And so as you look back at your distinguished career thus far, what's one thing you know now as it relates to networking and surrounding yourself with the right people? You mentioned you've had people kind of lead the path for you. Do you almost wish you knew when you first started? (laughs) Oh, so many things. (laughs) (laughs) We could go on and on, right? Right. But I think that's the path, right? The path is not to know it all. The path is to learn as you go, because I think we learn things in the timing in which we're supposed to. And so sometimes we wish we knew more. And I think for me, I feel like I've learned as I've gone at the right pace. Um, 
and the challenges that I've had from like my early management career, like managing early in my career, set me up to have that thicker skin now to understand, to learn from those mistakes and then to be able to adjust. Um, so when probably more than anything, if I learned and wanted to know back then is that, I mean, you get knocked down, but you get back up. And so every time I got knocked down in the beginning, I didn't know if I was going to get back up. Now I'm like, if I get knocked down, I'm getting up. Like, you, you know, know, you're it. getting back up. You know, you're getting back up. And I think that was one of the things before is you'd be so afraid to fall, you know, yep. and yep. you'd be like, I don't know if I can get up again. And I'm like, oh, I can, I can get up. I'll find a way. Yeah. No, absolutely. And so now being, you know, in your current role now, the president of business operations for DC United of the MLS, you know, just over a half a year in, how's it gone thus far? You know what? So far, so good. Coming out of the pandemic has definitely been tough for us all. Um, but I love the challenge of that. I, I love the opportunity to really help rebuild and to restructure our company in a way that's going to be sustainable for long term for us. Um, there's so many things to implement. Um, there's so many things to keep in place at the same time. I don't feel like you have to change everything. I think you can make adjustments and, and make some things better. And so I'm excited to see where I am in the next six months. Um, fully completing a year. I know it takes time and I'm, I'm patient with that. I've learned that over the years to be patient and know that I can't change everything overnight. Um, and even in this first year, we'll be able to have some impact, but year two, three, and four, it's going to be even more. Yeah. So what is your advice for listeners, whether they're in on the sales front line or they're, you know, in some other business operation or they're in leadership, the value of patience? It's tremendous. <laughs> you have to have it. You know, sometimes um, our lack of patience gets in, gets in the way of our opportunity for success. And so if we can have patience and understanding and really kind of take a step back at moments, we have an opportunity to probably excel faster um, when we have the patience to really like dig in deeper yeah. and to understand that things have to happen in pace because the patience, if I can have that, I can probably just think about something a little deeper, create a program that's stronger, make a bigger impact by being patient up front um, versus trying to rush it. Right. No, absolutely. And so as the president of business operations, you know, kind of long patience, you're also responsible for a lot of different verticals, growing the fan base, sponsorship, arranging non-MLS events there at Audi Field. In addition, you also oversee the United Business uh, USL team. So what does a day-to-day -day look like for you? <laughs> Every day is a little interesting. I usually yeah. try to leave the first hour of the morning open because you never know what's going to pop up. <laughs> That's like my new motto. But, um, you know, for me, it's the key focus is right now for us or obviously from a partnership standpoint as we move forward and coming out of COVID. Um, spend a lot of time on that, a lot of time and thought process on staffing when it comes to like our culture development and how we're building out post COVID is going to, it's a big piece for us, especially in this first year of all of us coming back together. Yep. And so a lot goes into that, um, reviewing our community efforts. Um, we're getting closer to being able to truly get back into the community in the way in which we should. So that's exciting for us. So from my day to day, it's really taking all those verticals, balancing out time and energy to put into each of those verticals in different ways and balancing my weeks and prioritizing through those to really be able to help us grow. You, you, you hit on the, the next question I had from a prioritization things, you know, what's your advice to listeners on time management and prioritizing with so many, you know, kind of different balls in motion that you have? Yeah. You have to understand what's the most important thing at the time. And then if you actually look at what I try to do is that I look at all the verticals 
and I'll sit and I'll say, okay, here's all the verticals. Here's the things that need to happen under each of those verticals. Then I create pathways and plans for each vertical and timelines from an internal perspective for myself, and then how I pace that out and deliver that to my teams. Um, and so being conscious of that really helps with like the management stuff, the expectation of projects versus being like, okay, we have all these things, go do it. It doesn't really work that way. Um, it's saying we have all these things, let me create pathways to success for them, timelines to go around. And then also right now, what I'm looking at is like the resources to be able to execute the things that I want to see happen. So it's a combination of that that really drives the business. And you know, along the different verticals, right, you, you're overseeing a lot of different verticals, which means there's a lot of different personalities and personnel in there. How do you manage that piece of your day and, and also manage the different personalities? Yeah, I think that's probably, as everybody knows, when you manage, the people part is one of the, the harder parts, right? How do you help people? How do you reach out to them and, and connect with them? I spend a lot, I try to spend a lot of time of individual like I'll do one-on-ones and, and spending individual time with people as I get to know them. And what's also great is because we do so many different projects, you'll have these project teams where you're exploring and getting to know people through the different projects that you're doing based on the vertical. So that's typically how I try to get my FaceTime, especially as we're not fully back in office just yet. So those types of things really help move us in a different way. Yep. Um, with managing the different personalities, it's really being in tune and listening. I think this goes back to my ticket sales days, right? Mm -hmm. Listening to the buyer, understanding who they are, um, what makes them tick, what doesn't. Um, I think we have to do the same thing for our staff is really like listen. And then for our management in between, really working with them to make sure they're listening and helping deliver that message back to me so we could work together in a combined effort because I can't always be everywhere. You know, I think that's a big key advice, right? The, the listening part. You know, I, I was taught early on, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. You should do twice as much listening as you do talking. And, and that's that's certainly huge. So thanks for that advice, Danita. And you know, here on 52 Weeks of Hustle, we've had several guests from the MLS. and They've all talked about the excitement they had for not only the league, but the increased exposure and overall growth in all of the markets. So as you look back and maybe putting back your sales hat on, what would be your elevator pitch for the MLS and why now could be a great time to pursue a career with one of the clubs? Oh, that was a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, I think for me, and it, I, I kind of talked about this with DCU is like, and for MLS as a whole, like right now is pathway to world cup, right? 2026 yeah. is almost here. We know things happen in the blink of an eye. And this is one of the fastest growing sports in America at this time. If you want to be on the cusp of having the opportunity to have work in a place where you can truly have incremental growth from a business perspective and help that happen, I think now is the time in MLS, right? So with some of our other leagues, they're like, you can see some growth, but to see massive growth and massive growth over the next five years as we lead up, this league has that opportunity. Yep. And for anybody within their career that really wants to have those major impactful moments, this is for the taking at this time. Yep. And so for me, that's why I think there's so much value in what you can add to this league at this time and what you can actually get professionally in your career from a growth standpoint is tremendous. 
No, absolutely. And, th- and there's certainly a lot of clubs hiring. I'm sure you guys are hiring as well. So, you know, but, but there's a big opportunity uh, in the MLS. And so Danita, you know, as the current president role, this isn't your first one as, as prior to that, you were the president and COO of the LA Sparks of the WNBA for two years. And while there you help win the WNBA franchise of the year, WNBA marketing and ticket sales organization of the year. So what do you feel like you and your team did on such a consistent basis out there in LA to have so much success? Yeah, I think our staff was like such a key component. One of the things that I thought was beautiful about our staff was the tenure of our staff. We had a lot of people that had been there three to five years. And for a WT, that's, I mean, from the tenure in that league of our staff was huge. And their commitment to creating excellence was there. <clears throat> the other piece that we noticed when when at the Sparks and with our team, anytime we combined our efforts across the board and did programming that integrated all of our different departments, it maximized our efforts. And so we knew if we came together, if ticket sales, marketing, community, and we were a small team, right? But anytime we did something where it was all hands on deck, it worked really well. And those are the things that led to the success for those awards is that it became a true team effort. And it like clicked for like all of our staff to understand that, that their combining of their departments made it work with such a huge success. Yeah. And, I, and I've always been a big believer in like the three C's, you know, communicate, collaborate and challenge each other. And, you know, that's ultimately going to make you really competitive. And so, you know, to that point of bringing all those verticals together and, you know, while president, you know, there at the LA Sparks, it wasn't your only stint with the Sparks organization as you had been with the organization for over three years previously as the SVP of business operations. And during that time, you would talk about, you know, setting trends and you and the team had a great amount of success. You built a, you know, hashtag we are women campaign which culminated in selling out Staples Center. Uh, you know, the WNBA, a historic attendance of over 19,000 people. So what a hell of an accomplishment that was. And as you look back at that time, what's your advice for all the listeners out there to be innovative and find ways to set that new standard? If it scares you, it's probably the right thing. <laughs> love it. I, I love remember it. the first time it was brought to me from our team president at the time, Christine Simmons, about the challenge of like, can you come up with something? We want to circle it around women. We want to sell out Staples Center. Can you all create something? And I remember just like pausing and looking at her like, what do you want us to do? Yeah. <laughs> How are we <laughs> going to do this? Right. And, and you kind of take that moment and like. She would always talk about how I like kind of would like tweak my head to the side and just stare for a minute whenever the challenge came, but then I would come back, right? And so don't be afraid of that idea that feels like just a little bit too much or a little bit too much of a push for you because typically from that can come greatness. Right. You know, and, and, and push, you know, and get you out of your comfort zone is half the battle. And, and, and again, I think you can bring that innovative mindset to no matter what you're doing. You know, whether it's selling a ticket, helping market a campaign, putting together a lead sourcing, like find ways to be unique and innovative. And so going back to being involved and giving back as a leader, you've always found ways to really immerse yourself back in the community. You kind of mentioned, you know, currently with DC United, you know, throughout the pandemic, now you're getting to the point of immersing yourself back with community relations. Why is that so important for sports teams in general to really immerse themselves in the community? I feel like that's, you know, that's part of our DNA of who we should be and who we are, right? Most sports and athletes come from our local communities. I think about our homegrown players here at DC United, like a Bill Mead. um, And we have a few others that are like rising stars at this moment. Um, What these sports do for these communities and the possibility that they create, 
um, I think are very powerful. And so for us as community leaders, it is part of our responsibility to give back. It's a part of our responsibility for the fans that like, you know, whether it's they're buying their tickets, whether they're watching us, all of the investment they put to cheer us on, part of us as an organization, it's so important to make sure that we fulfill those communities that surround us and have the opportunity to create accessible moments, to create impact, to create change. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Danita Johnson, President of Business Operations with DC United. So, Danita, as I mentioned, you had returned to the L.A. Sparks after being gone for a year to join the L.A. Clippers. And so how easy was that transition going back to an organization you'd previously spent some time with, but also now you're becoming the boss of some people that used to be your peers and counterparts? I think, you know what, it wasn't that I think most people would think that being very difficult of like that going back and the peers and counterparts, I think for me it was just pure respect. Like it was respect of them, respect of myself. We have respect for one another. So going into that situation and being respectful of the time and energy that had been put into the organization when I was away, going in, not expecting it to be the same was really my mantra. Like I didn't want to be like, okay, when I was here before, we have to do it this way, or this is how I did it before. I was very conscious in the words that I used um, in that time back. It was more of, okay, where are we now? And let's build upon that versus feeling like we needed to revert back or just because I did something before the other way, we had to change it back. And that was something I was conscious of because I felt like if you do that, then it's like there was no change forward. Right. right? And so you got to go forward. So even when I went back, that was very much my mindset of not going backwards. I went back to move forward. Yeah. And there's certainly no reason to dwell on the past. It's, it's moving forward and keeping the, keeping the steps in the right direction. And, you know, with that short break from the Sparks, you joined the Clippers as the director of business operations, where you not only oversaw new business opportunities and projects with the team, but also their NBA G League team and even act as the interim team president for that. So again, a lot of multiple responsibilities at one time. I think that's the, you know, kind of the MO of your career. Yeah. There, there's always different things going on. So what's your advice on not only understanding what responsibilities may make sense for your career wise, but also the importance of dominating your current role to continue to increase your responsibilities. Yeah, no, I'm big on that. Like do your first job first, 
like, and you got to be good at it. I think we all learned that very early <laughs> when you probably sit in one of your first or second ticket sales trainings when everybody's like, oh, I want to be the next GM. I want to be right. the next. <laughs> and you're like, let's do your first job first. Right. Yeah. That's like the typical conversation. Dominate this one. Right. Dominate this one. And for me, it was definitely that. What happened was as my career grew, it was like being able to dominate the role, but then being able to execute on other projects at the same time. So I needed to start showing versatility. I needed to start showing my ability to manage multiple projects and multiple verticals. So when I got to this position in my life, I was ready, right? When I came to DCU and I think about all the multiple verticals we have, I've now managed multiple projects at once, right? Yep. And it doesn't necessarily fluster me. I'm not gonna get lost, lost in that moment because of the training of those different years and like having multiple projects that led to this. Why, what, what is the advice you have for the listeners in regards to versatility? You know, it's, it's not always an easy thing to do, right? Because you even kind of go back to, Hey, I want to dominate my day, but I have to be versatile. And like, this is even in my job responsibilities, but I know it's a part of what I need to do. Like what, what's your advice for listeners? I think it's important to understand that certain, like your job typically is giving you multiple things. Your title may say one thing, right? So let's say you're a VP of ticket sales, right? It's like people may categorize you as ticket sales, but what else are you doing? You're planning, you're building out a staff, you're making sure they're training, you're executing events, right? There's project management, there's like that PL management because you're looking at your budget, you're forecasting, like all of that's in there. Yeah. I think what happens is it's your ability to actually be able to tell the story of what you're doing. Right. How do you then take that and apply that to different management verticals or like, let's say you're a VP of sales and you also want to do marketing stuff. You've been marketing tickets for years to get through this. Right. You're thinking about how you're putting on small based events. It's that being able to connect the dots from a leadership perspective and tell that story where it's not always title. It's about the experiences of what you're doing in that role and being able to convert that into other areas of the business. And I think that's where we get lost a little bit because sometimes people aren't being able to equate that. But I think when you either write your resume or when you're talking with folks, being able to position yourself within that capacity is really important. And I think you, you mentioned there too, the, the importance of people, right? It's, it's people are the ones that lead, you know, money and title and responsibility can a lot of times follow. So why has it always been important for you to surround yourself with the right people and to work for the right people and the right ownership groups? Because that's where you gain your knowledge, right? If I want to get better and I want to grow, like the knowledge that I gain from those that I work for is huge, right? It's, it's why, you know, I've, I've transitioned roles and I know that about myself, I, I'm, but I'm okay with that, right? I, my pathway is not somebody else's pathway. My pathway is mine. And so for me, being around different teams, being with different clubs, that transitional time, living in different marketplaces taught me so much about this business. It taught me how to be versatile. It taught me some commonalities across the board from city to city. It taught me some differentiations um, and also taught me people skills. So I like that challenge of being like, can you go into a new marketplace? Can you like excel in this area? Can you see the challenges? And so for me with like the ownership groups, why it becomes so important is like, typically when you own a sports team in some capacity, your wealth of knowledge is huge. Yep. And for me to have that accessibility, to be a part of that, and then to also learn from that is a, a major thing for me. 
No, absolutely. And you've certainly had a tremendous career in selling and certainly leading at a high level, but not always, you know, quote unquote, on paper, the easiest products to sell. And, you know, we just had Christy Hedgepath, the CEO of the WNBA on the podcast, and she mentioned how the WNBA has continued to evolve their strategies and help provide more marketing support. But that certainly hasn't been always the case, you know, certainly in the WNBA. So what has been your outlook on finding ways to be successful, regardless of how difficult that quote unquote sale may be? Yeah, I think for me, it was it's a mentality change, right? Like I can't say just because I worked in women's sports, I, I can't sell this product. It was a belief factor. It was a belief in the product and passion for something that I truly love to do. Same way what we're doing now, like I'm falling in love with what I'm doing. And when that passion comes out, that's undeniable and it's infectious. And so when you have a quote unquote challenging product, you as the seller are part of the belief that you can create in others. Right. If I want to implement that love and that passion into somebody else, I have to truly believe it. And I think that's the game changer in selling. Right. When you truly believe in your product, when you're in front of somebody, it becomes infectious. Yep. Right. And so it takes away a little bit of that challenge and that belief. And some people will never get it. And that's just what it is. Yep. Right. If the more you talk to, the more interactions you have, you're going to find people that do. And so hopefully that one day the other people might turn around and get it. One day they just won't. But right. I think for us, it's like, I've always said, like, don't be afraid of who you are and be true to who you are. I never felt like we needed to convert to be something else to attract. We can be us and go find more people that understand us, that want to be with us. And it was about knocking on every door, making every phone yeah. call, trying every sponsor. And it really helps to change. No, absolutely. And, you know, prior to you joining the LA Sparks, you know, the first time around, you had spent the previous five years in leadership in the WNBA, first with the Tulsa Shock and then the Washington Mystics. So first, how did you know leadership was that path that you wanted to take? I think it was from watching other leaders early on in my career. You know, I had some great bosses and, and leaders that I worked for and having that ability to tap into people and to help them find some kind of like sense of joy in themselves was like the initial piece, right? Everybody wants to be in leadership. But I think for me, it was like being able to, I knew the craft. Like I knew, I was like, man, I get sales. I get these processes. I remember sitting in trainings and I was like, all right, I know what this trainer is going to say next. I know how they want me to respond. Like I remember doing that. And once I got to that point, I was like, I could teach other people how to do this, right? right? I could teach somebody how to do this. And I knew it was a difference between like leading and like teaching, like being able to teach just to sell the skill of selling was very different. And I knew I, I was like this person in me was like, go teach this to somebody else. Yep. No, and that's I've... kind of where it started for me. What do you feel like young aspiring leaders right now should be doing on a consistent basis to get ready for that call? You know, that, that first call into leadership. Yeah, I think, to me, the first thing in, in leadership, outside of understanding the skill, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, is really being ready to manage people. Yep. So your people skills, your ability to manage, your temperament, like I had to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> it was not the best in the beginning. I'll tell you, like your own patience, the emotion that it takes when you give something your all and you think it's going to work and everybody on your staff completely dislikes it. And you right. go home at night and be like, what did I do wrong to these people? Yeah, what just right? happened? Right. What just happened? Like you have to actually mentally prepare for leadership. 
Um, and I think that would be one of the things I would say, the skill is one thing. It's the same way we talk about sales. You can teach anybody how to sell, right? Like you could teach people sell skills, but like with management, I think there's a mental capacity and a sense of like from a mental health strength and wellness that you should be working on because you do have to have a different level of thick skin for this. Yep. Um, and it's harsh. And the more you grow, the more exposure you get, it's hard. And you think about like the world of celebrities. I know it's not to that extent, but like when you care so much, those moments can knock you down and you just have to be able to separate the two. Absolutely. With both those roles at both the shock and the mystics, you were tasked to, and, and still to your day, you know, tasked right now to recruit, hire, train, develop those next best superstars. What are you always looking for in those successful individuals, regardless of the department? I think for me, it's that willingness right? It's, it's the willingness to want to learn. It's the willingness to want to create impact and change. Um, so I'm always seeking that. Um, I want good people, like good human beings, right? And so how they're going to treat the person next to them and how they're going to react in a moment that's not the best. Like those are qualities I'm constantly looking for is like, how do they actually add to the culture and to the goodness? It's like right now I'm building a, a, a team around us to add on to the current team we have, so that's very, it's very selective. It's, it's a, <laughs> I don't know if people understand how much of a grueling process that is to think I could bring one person in here and mess up the whole construct of our company. What you're building. Right? Of what we're building. So every decision is very critical at this moment. And I'm deep in the weeds on that right now. And I think those are the things that, you know, it takes a lot. It takes a lot, but I love it. Certainly the, the love of that. And, you know, the common theme of this podcast has been the people, right? And, you know, Danita, I know you've always been on the forefront of being part of recruiting fairs and keeping your talent pipeline full. So for the leaders out there listening, why should leaders always focus on keeping that funnel full and that pipeline full of, of the next best talent? You never know when you're going to need to call them in the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you never know. So I, it's something I do. I still like take regular calls from folks that come in on LinkedIn and I try to do it and schedule them out every couple of months. Like yeah. you, you have to, you have to keep your ears to the streets of what's happening in the business and who's, who's coming up. Um, and then also being able to discover talent. So even now it's like, I've talked to people over the last few months as I've taken this role. And as we're hiring, I'm like, Hey, to one of my, my VP of ticket sales. Hey, I saw this person. I'm always scouring LinkedIn. Yep. You'll probably see me like, I'm always looking around. I'm always like, where can we find talent? And yep. um, I feel like that's kind of, it's weird. It's like almost being a coach, right? Like I always got to be looking out, yes. even if it's like not yet, but I just right. need to be prepared. Or if that, if a good friend calls and like, I'm looking for somebody, you know, anybody, I'm like, I saw this person, you know, yep. I think that's what we have to do. Always be ready to go. Absolutely. And, you know, even going back to the beginning of your career, you first got your start as an intern with the Fayetteville Patriots of the time, the NBA D-League. That ultimately became full-time. You then helped launch the Bakersfield Jam of the D-League before being one of the top sellers for the Phoenix Suns and Mercury. So as you look back, what do you feel like you did early on in your career to really separate yourself, you know, from the competition in, in such a competitive marketplace? Yeah. Oh, the good old days. Um <laughs> Those are the easy days, right? You can only have to control what you had to control. I know, right? <laughs> oh, man, to go back and just sit at the desk and just make phone calls. Um, yep. I think, um, you know, my separation came from trying to have understanding of all aspects. So um, looking at and understanding like my role may have been sales, but thought about how it affected 
other departments. So like when we were in Phoenix, it was the first large base organizations. When I was at the D League at the time, now G, it was like we were always constantly working together. So I always saw what marketing doing. I saw I was helping with community relations. I was helping with game ops. So to have that perspective of what those day-to-day operations look like for other people, when I moved over to Phoenix, it was like I could respect their space and time. It was like I knew how much probably time they needed to hear if I wanted to do something different from a fan experience standpoint, or if I needed to do something that involved CR. So like early on learning how to respect the departmental needs and the communication with those helped me yep. because when I was with the smaller teams, I saw it firsthand. So when I went into larger organizations, it was like immediate respect for different people within the workplace and the time and energy they put in to different things. So having my hands in it, then kind of separating out and becoming a subject matter expert from a sales standpoint, and then also like the respect of being able to engage with those other departments, I think really helped me early in my career. Push that on. And, you know, back then you studied sports management, received your degree from Western Carolina University. So was there a job or an early experience in your life that you just knew sports was the path that you were going to take? It's always a funny story with this question because... I didn't quite know. I just knew when I went to, when I like applied to college and I didn't even apply to a lot of colleges. I just knew I was looking, I played basketball in high school and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, I don't want to be a coach. That's too stressful. And I don't think <laughs> I'd be good at it. And I was like, all right, what do I want to do? And I didn't even know about like sports management degrees. I remember I was actually just looking through a college like catalog and they had this program and I was like, oh, this sounds fun. I like sports. That's kind of how it all started. And as I went into school, which I love, and I think this was one of the best things about the college experience, as I was going through college, I realized this is what I wanted to do. And it was so important. I needed that time and development um, through our program at school to really start to get that. No, absolutely. So, Dudinia, you've had certainly a tremendous career, an illustrious career, and it's going to continue to continue to build. But as you look back at your entire career up to this point, what has been your best memory? Oh, such a hard one. I've had so many <laughs> ones. I mean, probably. All right. So I'll, I'll give my favorite sports memory and then I'll give okay. a favorite business memory. Does that work? Perfect. That's perfect. All right. Favorite sports memory is probably the 2016 championship with the Sparks because we won at the last minute. We were in Minnesota. Yeah. It, it was like it was like the whole crowd went quiet type of a moment. Um, so that was probably that. And then when we won in Phoenix, that was great too. But those were my first ones. But that one, it was just a little bit different. Um, my favorite business one, it might be the day of We Are Women because I didn't even think it would be possible. And it was a long road to make that happen. To build that from the ground up. Yeah, probably that and this 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 role right here is definitely very special for me. So these last six months, I swear, like every day has been amazing. Well, I always ask our guests to have the privilege of winning a ring or two. Do you ever wear them? I used to wear it all the time. Yeah. I haven't worn it in a while. Um, So I don't know. It's weird. When I switch teams, I feel weird wearing it. Wearing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I might have to pull it out the box. How many do you have now? I have two. Uh, I left, we won, I was supposed to get a third, but I left Phoenix before because I got the other job. But uh, yeah, I've been a part of three and I have two rings. So Mr. Jim Pittman still owes you one. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dania, this has been great. You've certainly won so many awards and accolades in your career. And I really appreciate your sharing your story and expertise. So to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Let's do it. 
If you could travel to one place in the world for a week, where would it be? Greece. Haven't been yet. Okay. That sounds awesome. If you were a host of a late night talk show, who's your first guest? Issa Rae, because I think it would be absolutely hilarious. Yes, that would be a funny one. Yeah. Through the pandemic. Oprah, Oprah, there you (laughs) go. Yeah, Maybe you have two guests. There we go. What's the last thing you've completed on your bucket list? I went to Italy right before COVID. Nice. Yeah. That's a good check. Well, to close it out, Danita, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Um, do what you actually love to do. Like, believe in it. Remind yourself that you're worth it. And do the work. Love it. You know, we talk a lot about the passion, do what in your love. And, you know, it is, it's a lot of self-awareness, but also reminding yourself, like, this is why you got into this business. It's a grind. And, and certainly you have to do it. You know, that's the only way you're going to be successful. So Danita, thank you so much. It's certainly been a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate your time and expertise and certainly best of luck, you know, in your future endeavors of your career here. Thank you so much. This has been great. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.